Welcome to the Business That Matters Spotlight. I'm Warren Coughlin, founder of this podcast and business coach to ethical entrepreneurs who want to build a business that matters. In short, I help you end chaos and gain control over your business so that you predictably and reliably achieve the profits, the lifestyle, and the impact you strive for through a team you can trust without the stress and frustration. When you experience this, you're more confidently able to make the world or just your corner of it a bit of a better place. At The Spotlight, we believe that every entrepreneur has a unique message that can positively impact the world and inspire others to do the same. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Business That Matters Spotlight. My name is Warren Coughlin. I'm your host. And as a fan of uh, mountain biking myself and skiing and hiking and snowshoeing, I love the outdoors. I believe in uh, what's known in Japan as tree bathing. Uh, and I know that the more we connect with nature, the more connected and whole we feel, which is why I'm really excited to talk to today's guest. Paul Dreyer is the Chief Empowerment Officer for Avid for Adventure. It's a company that provides outdoor adventure camps for kids from what pre-K all the way up through and through high school. They have camps currently in eight states and are expanding. So, Paul, welcome. Uh, pleasure to be here, Warren. Happy to be here. It's great to have you. First thing, uh, what is a chief empowerment officer and what does that involve? You know, f fundamentally, uh, it's a little play on acronym. So the, the acronym is CEO. So to the outdoor world, um, I help lead uh, Avid for Adventure um, as, as our CEO. But uh, as you mentioned, our, our mission in life is to empower kids to lead active and healthy lifestyles in the outdoors. So so empowerment and, and being an empowerer is just baked into what we do. So, so I try to be the chief empowerer um, internally for, for, for our staff and, and for our stakeholders at Avid for Adventure. Well, that's important, I guess, to, to authentically empower kids. You've got you to live that value internally. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, in our conversation, Warren, but fundamentally, we just like to do things a little bit different at Avid for Adventure. And, and, um, and just that word executive has some strange con connotations, has always <laughs> had some strange connotations for, for me. So, so I, I, um, I, I like to, to play with things and just um, give an example, be a role model for, for others in our, in our internal Avid community that like, we can do different uh, things differently. We can uh, play play different roles, and and hence the the change from chief executive to chief empowerment officer. Nice. So let's talk just you know in basic terms about the business. Like, who do you serve? What services do you offer? Yeah, I really appreciate appreciated your intro, and, and you nailed it, Warren. That that we serve from pre K through teenage years, um, kids getting kids in the outdoors. Um, really, the, our, our goal from 2004, when we were founded, has been to reverse trends around childhood obesity and childhood diabetes and childhood screen time, right? All of those rates have been going up since those early 2000s continue to go up even more so during these COVID times. So, so we serve kids and we serve families to try to reverse those rates, um, to try to get screens aren't going away, right? But, but to just right. at the earliest age, give kids an alternative, get them outdoors, um, have them have a healthy, fun, positive experience um, with adventure sports, right? So rock climbing and mountain biking, hiking, paddling, backpacking, those sorts of activities. And so what, um, there's a lot of camp options out there, right? I imagine it's a fairly crowded landscape. Um, what makes, what makes you guys different? Like you said, you like to do things a little bit different. So as compared to other camps, apart from just the, 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 the sports-based activities, but what, 
philosophically or actively do you do that makes you a different option? You bet. I could talk at length on this one, but I know we have limited time. So I'll, I'll, I'll say two things of, of our differentiators. Um, the, the first thing is our staff. Our staff are really different than other summer camps. Um, I, I think when, when parents think about summer camps and, and their experience with summer camps, it's often um, high school, maybe um, co- college folks who are, who are doing this for a summer job where the average age of our staff is 24, 25 years old. It's folks that, that are maybe in graduate school, maybe are, 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 are school year teachers. They're, they're, it's not a summer job. It really is a lifestyle. They're educators, they're outdoor educators. Um, and not only are they coming in with different experience, but, but how we hire our seasonal staff and how we train our seasonal staff um, t- tends to be really, really different. And not only focusing on just the nuts and bolts on how to take kids climbing or how to take them biking, they get all that risk management training, but they also get the communication skills and the connection skills. So the, the service that folks that, that our, our parents and our families get, in addition to the, the um, is it, just kind of next level service that, that uh, parents are often not used to. So that's thing one, just our staff. And, and thing two of a differentiator is, is our look at risk and, and our culture around us is, is very risk adverse. And I'm sure this relates well, resonates well with, with your audience that we're getting these messages from all the media sources of like, don't do this, don't do this, this is dangerous. You gotta be safe, like keep your kids safe. And safety is our top priority, but we, we can't, we, we create brave spaces, not safe spaces for kids. We know well, that, that, that distinction. Yeah, thank you. And so we, we really, from the earliest age and throughout all of our camps, we, we bring kids into the conversation of risk management, not risk avoidance. And so we make little risk managers out of the kids and, and having them look around their environment and, and really assess what's a, what's a positive risk that I wanna lean into and, and what's a, a risk with too much consequence or too much probability that I need to make some rules around, right? And, and that helps kids be a better mountain biker, but it also helps kids be better human beings as they enter risky spaces in their life, they're able to, to uh, have some practice with that risk management skills. That's so great. I mean, I'm re- essentially, when my, when my daughter was, was very young, um, she was a very natural climber. So at, at 18 months, she was climbing on stuff that three and four-year-olds weren't. And I remember there were parents in the park who would look at me like I was crazy yeah. letting her do this. But she actually, she instinctively did like three-point climbing and stuff like that. Um, but I thought to your point about that safety, it was really interesting to me that there was, there was almost this judgment in the park that I was letting this little kid do stuff, but I was right there with her, but I was letting her push her own limits. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just the reaction, the, the negative reaction to that, I, I found really fascinating. Yeah. And I mean, risk is a totally fascinating topic and, and there's real and perceived risk. And, and, you know, those parents that were watching your, your daughter climb, they had this perception of, wow, climbing is really risky. How is, how is Warren letting his daughter do that? Uh, because it's not part of their world. And, and they, they, so they're not intimately, they, they're just hearing news stories around like somebody falling rock climbing or whatnot, which, which is interesting. I mean, for, for what we do, like we, we keep really accurate statistics on any first aid or any incidents we have. And, you know, the number one thing that parents, parents are concerned about at risk is rock climbing. And that, like, statistically, we have zero incidents rock climbing. It's like one of the safest things we do. So, so blending and, and educating kids and parents around like risk, actual risk, perceived risk is is really a, a cool, fun part of what we do at Avid. 
So talk to me a little bit about the, about thing one. Um, yeah. How do you, like, what's the training, like at a real business level. So there's entrepreneurs who are listening to this, right? And so that idea, and I, I hear this kind of challenge with entrepreneurs a lot. How do you train people to care? How do you train people to communicate effectively? And so the fact that you've actually kind of dialed that in, what's the, do you have a, is it, uh, is it in-person training? Have you had curriculum designers? Is it just instinctively? Like, how have you gone about refining that? Yeah, you bet. It's a great question. And I'll, I'll throw one caveat out there for the entrepreneurs that are listening right now that we have at, at Avid, we have two distinct types of staff that we hire for. We have our full-time staff, which is a relatively small team. We're about 35 folks. And then we have our, our seasonal staff, which, which I'll talk more about Um which is this next year will be about 850 staff. So we have to get really good at hiring, assessing, onboarding, and training that, uh, what, what the things that you were talking about. And, and so, so that's one caveat. The second caveat is something that we're, it, is we're always honing and doing better. Um, so a, a couple of things to, to answer your question, Warren, of like, how do we do it? How do we get folks on board like, to communicate well, be bought in, and feel a part of the team? That's roughly your, conversa- your question. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll throw a couple buzzwords out there. One, like core values. So, you know, every organization like needs their core values. Um, we, all of our core values, we have a handful of core values and they all start with the word live. Yeah, so they're great. Go, when you go to our website, it's like live community, live gratitude, live fun, live environmentally connected. And, and we truly like when we hire folks, every question we ask and interview is tied to one of our core values, right? The rubrics of, of as we're talking to, to folks, our rubrics around our bonus metrics, thing, everything is tied back to those core values. And so, and, and we're really transparent around that. So, so one, I feel like we hire folks in that are aligned with core values. Um, and, and two, the, that new employee who's getting onboarded sees and really is able to feel in body like, whoa, they really mean this, this core value stuff, right? Like it keeps coming up. They're like, I guess, I guess I got to get on board with these core values. Right. Um, right. So that's thing one and thing two that I'll throw out there to you. I'm sure you got follow-ups for me is, um, is when we're hiring, I, I think a, a lot of times folks think about like culture fit, right? Like right. we need to hire for a culture fit. Um, for me, that's old news, right. In, in the world, like I, what that breeds is, is often affinity bias, right? Where we're just hiring the same people into our organization. Yeah. Um, and in a more kind of, what, what, what we've switched to over the years is instead of culture fit, let's hire culture ad and, and let's be transparent about that as well, right? Let, let's really recognize an incoming person's um, unique lived experience, unique um, abilities that they are bringing to us and say like, hey, this, this is our culture. These are our core values. We want you to fit in that, but we want you to add to them. We want you to be a culture ad. And so folks are really feeling, back to this word empowerment, folks are really feeling empowered as they're joining our team. That's, that's such a, a great distinction because I, I, I often use the term, there's a couple of things in there that I really love. Um, and just to highlight for entrepreneurs listening, I've a big part of my practice is helping people define their culture through a values orientation and how values wind up being integrated into their systems and their compensation models and their incentive plans and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and too many people find, I find they look at values as things that hang on the wall and they talk about them as a sort of a kumbaya aspirational thing, right. but not, they don't have the courage to really just say, no, this is the, this is the line in the sand. And you have to you have to commit to these values to to be successful here. 
Exactly. And it sounds like you guys have taken that stand, which is great. Yeah. And then the other part of that. So do you, when you said added, do you have like a diversity, equity, diversity, inclusion orientation, or is that not a conscious thing, but just sort of evolves through the values? No, absolutely conscious and, and intentional and, and proactive. So we, we have a, a, a Jedi committee, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion uh, committee, and it really get, is interwoven into, um, you know, all, all aspects of AVID and both from the, the staff perspective. So our, our, our full-time staff, our seasonal staff, um, and, and also from a, a camper and family pers- perspective, um, a part of a, of a lot of just social justice and equity conversations. Do you, do you have those conversations with the kids? Yes, you know, in, in age appropriate ways, it gets built in. I'll, I'll give you a one, one quick example of that. So kids, the first thing that they do, the first thing that happens in any program, it doesn't matter if you're arriving at a, a day camp or an expedition, a resident camp, um, folks get, the kids get introduced to our one rule at AVID. Our one rule is respect. We cheat a little bit because there's like four subsets of that one rule. Um, we'll often call it the respect pony. Like everything's acronym and like kind of fun. So, so um, P is property, um, O is others, N is nature, and Y is yourself. But we build into that when we talk about um, others, we, we talk about, you know, wherever we're operating our camp, if it's a, a camp in Seattle or a camp in Denver, um, it's actually stolen land from originally like indigenous people. Um, so, so we talk about like, as we travel through this week, these next two weeks, and we're climbing and we're biking, we're going to be on indigenous lands, right? So, so we bring in um, aspects of equity and inclusion um, into, um, and, and when we talk about like taking care of yourself, like, you know, again, at age appropriate ways, uh, we talk about like different people's lived experience and, and different people are going to be different in our group this week. Um, so small aspects like that. And then that gets uh, woven through a, a, a week, two weeks of camp. And do you see, I had this later, but I want to, I want to jump into this a little bit. What's sure. the impact? So I, I have two questions about this. So first, at a more general level, uh, whether it's you or camps and places you don't serve yet, what are the benefits of kids going to camp? That's sort of the first more generic question. Sure. And the second is at a more specific level, given this sort of values focus you have, do you have any um, stories without naming names sure. of how that's actually impacted some kids? Like some something that's demonstrably... Um, affected them or changed them or helped them in some way? Yeah, you bet. So general and then specific on the impacts of camp. Um, you know, so many positive impacts on camp, but, but the thing that I have been thinking about mostly um, recently is, is stress and anxiety, right? Stress, anxiety, and as we get into teenage years, uh, depression and suicide. These are really, really real things that, that are happening in our culture, um, and and the why why folk what why folks even at the youngest age are having more stress and more anxiety is multifaceted, right? It, it has to do with social media. It it has to do with COVID now. It has to do with this comparative culture. It has to do with this culture of risk avoidance. Some of the things we've already chatted about. But there's all of these different reasons why stress and anxiety is building up on kids. And one of the things camp does. Is, is it kind of wipes the slate clean. I've been like, you don't have to be stressed. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to fit some kind of role 
you know, like everybody in their in their school environments um, has a persona that they feel like they have to fit and they have to meet certain expectations. Whereas camp is this like, I don't know if you can remember, Warren, you seem like a similar generation to me. There was a, a, a toy, an old school toy that I think is still somewhat around. It's the Etch-A-Sketch, right? Oh, yeah. You, I grew up, I had an Etch-A-Sketch as a kid. Yeah. So audience can probably picture the Etch-A-Sketch, a little like red outside. The original the, iPad. <laughs> the two knobs that you can't draw anything with. And, and, and you know, you would draw like this thing that doesn't make any sense on the etch guess and then when you were ready to draw the next thing you would shake it right and everything yeah. would disappear and sometimes i feel like and this is a funny analogy here or like when you enter your, the camp space it's like your whole body shakes and it wipes the slate clean right so you enter this environment and you and you when you arrive at not only avid for adventure camp but other camps you're you're welcomed like all staff at, at camps that they just like are welcoming caring compassionate folks so so kids really feel that they're like, okay, great. I can let go of that stress and anxiety. I can be truly myself. I can take some risks that, that maybe I haven't tried. I can make a new friend, but, but it really helps build this self-confidence where hopefully they can go back in to those more pressured spaces and say, and have this touch point of like, you know what, I can let go of some of that stress and anxiety in these other spaces. Cause I've had experience doing that in those camp spaces. That's great. And so, and has there been any, like, can you think of any particular stories of kids who've. Really yeah. And, and so fortunately slash, unfortunately, you know, as part of our registration process, we ask parents, Hey, does your kid have emotional mental struggles at, at, at home at, at, at school? And, and fortunately, unfortunately we get a, a, a lot of yes to that question. And we have a, inclusivity specialist, a position that, that is full-time that just works with parents on, on basically like individual camp plans, almost like an individual educational plan, an IEP that, that some parents use dur during the school year. And, and we set up some specific plans on, on how to best work with, with different kiddos. And um, I, I mean, I have just from this summer that there's like three or four messages from parents that are running through my brain right now of parents saying like, thank you. This is my, my kid has never felt included. Like they've never felt um, really like others in, in this professional educational environment, like others kind of care about them. And, and, and you did that. And, and thank you. And, and again, like, I don't want to tout just avid for adventure horn. Like this is what like camp in general does for kiddos. That's so great. Now dealing with kids. Well, I just want to affirm. I, there was another guest on the podcast who um, is also a client of mine. And she does uh, pediatric uh, eating disorder treatment through therapy mm. and dietitians and, and things sure. like this. And she's seen an explosion of like mental health problems through COVID that's sure. manifesting in her case in eating disorders, but you're, you know, you're articulating other things. And th these, these kinds of opportunities to connect back to nature, connect to other people in stress-free environments, I think is just so beneficial with this kind of additional pressure going on for kids. Yeah. And the outdoors is just such a natural environment um, for, for us to provide those learnings and provide those experiences. So, you know, somewhat it's, it's our training and it's our curriculum and it's our staff. And I want to also give big kudos to, to just the outdoors. Uh, being in the outdoors is, is this incredible natural learning environment. Yeah. And so when you're dealing with kids, um, I've had a number of clients who've, who've dealt with members of the public. You're also dealing with parents. 
Sure. Um, so what, what do you wish all parents knew or understood about camp or even about their own kids that they, that you see that maybe they don't really get? It's a great question. I appreciate the, the question. I, um, it, it, it's, it's likely around expenses and costs because <laughs> um, our, our camp, we know we're a bit of a premium product. Um, and, and so our, our camp is more expensive than, than other, other camps. Um, and because we have real, real costs and, and really different than some other products that might be subsidized by local governments, like local city camps and rec area camps. And, and, um, and, you know, we buy, all new equipment for kids. So they're on like the, the, you know, top of class climbing gear and, and bikes and canoes and kayaks and stand up paddle boards. And uh, we, we rent, you know, over 200 vans to, to, to drive to nearby rec areas. And we have to get um, special use permits to, to, to go to any of these sites. And I think parents are like, why, Oh, why, like, why can't you use, this one rec area and why does it cost this much to go to camp? And so I don't think it's dissimilar that to other business owners uh, in terms of hidden costs that um, organizations um, have to deal with that, that customers don't see. And obviously in these inflationary times, those costs are, are, are skyrocketing for us. And so then parents see increasing pipe uh, pricing. And so uh, they're often misunderstood of why those prices are increasing. Right. Hopefully they understand now. Are you having any difficulty in doing that with the supply chain challenges? Uh, yes, we, we we feel lucky that that we have really good relationships with, with suppliers. So we were able to to um, we were able to get through last year, but it was really challenging. Um, for for example, I'll just give you one example: the um, organization where we typically get by, uh, mountain bikes from they were unable to get us the number of bikes that we needed. So we had to find bikes other places. Um, and, and I know you said you're a mountain biker, Warren, like everybody's going through challenges finding found a mountain biking. So, oh, yeah. you, you know, like we had to buy, we, we buy like 1500 bikes a year. So like we were wow. very challenged. We were very challenged with that and will continue to be probably for the next two years, we're estimating. Yeah, that one sounds like it's a that's a big deal from all the, everybody I've been speaking to. Now, yeah. so the, those impacts you have for the individual are one thing. As a business, well, what's how would you define the impact you want to have on you know to be really big, you know, on the world more broadly through camps? Yeah, you know, I um, I, I feel like I, I mentioned these uh, increasing rates before in terms of uh, childhood obesity and childhood diabetes. Um, that, that's really the, the, the big impact in, in terms of like overall like health changes in our population, right? Um, so if we can make an impact and, you, you know, um, in the school system, for example, right? So, so across, across North America, if, um, if folks can really more buy into outdoor education and all the benefits that we were just talking about and instill that not only in camp, but, but in year round, and, and all kids are getting access to just this touch point of, hey, I can be healthy away from screens in the outdoors. Um, that's going to have um, changes in their health when they're kids, but then make them healthier adults, which reduces impacts on our healthcare system, um, makes us financially more viable as, as, as culture and, and, and countries. Um, that's really the big picture change of, of really uh, bringing the outdoors to, to mainstream health culture. 
What about in the social side though? Like you, you talked earlier about, you know, these ideas of inclusion and understanding other, like, so there's the health impacts, but I imagine there's got to be some uh, social benefits just in terms of empathy and understanding and humility and those kind of things. Yeah. I, I mean, so appreciate you bringing that uh, back into the conversation. You know, I, I really like, we talk about equality and equity a lot um, at Avid and beyond that, you know, I think our, our conversations gl- globally has been around like equality that folks need like the same things, but we're really, we need to change that co- conversation to equity that, that really creating like equitable spaces. Um, and, and I feel like the, the outdoor. How do you define that distinction? If some, if people aren't, you know, some people yeah. may be through those kind of ideas. So equality yeah. versus equity. Yeah. So equality is like, um, I, I know your listeners can't see me, but, but I am a w- white cisgender male, right? So I'm, I, I'm at the top of the privilege pyramid in the United States. And, and so I have just um, had so much more privilege in my life than someone coming from a more marginalized identity, a more marginalized community. So if I'm given the same things right now as someone who's had been disadvantaged and marginalized through their life, that's equality. Um, But that's not equity. Um, Someone from a more marginalized community or, or challenged disadvantaged um, needs, um, needs more right now in order for, to, to, to get to equity to me. So, so equality is the same regardless of uh, starting point and, and equity is, is, is getting folks to, to really the, the same point uh, despite challenges in the past. And, and I, feel, I feel like um, outdoor spaces, returning to your question, you know, things like taking kids rock climbing or taking things paddling, it really is like a leveling of the playing field. It, it? It, it, it's, it's incredible. You know, our camps, uh, a lot of our camps are multi-sport in nature, we call them. So kids get an opportunity to one day go rock climbing, one day go paddling, one day go mountain biking. And it's amazing, regardless of where kids are coming in from, regardless of their levels of privilege and whatnot, um, one day they are stepping into a leadership position. Um, and, and helping others. And, and one day they're like, that, that same kid who was a leader mountain biking on the paddle day, they're like, whoa, I'm not sure about water, right? And, and so right. they're needing support from others. So retur- like returning to, to what you were saying around like empathy, right? And humility, the outdoors and these like new pursuits in the outdoors just highlight empathy, like values like empathy and humility. And then hopefully kids are able to transfer that back to their environments at school and to later on and being empathy, uh, empathetic and, and humble adults. So what about you, Paul? Like what, what got you into this and why does, I mean, you speak very passionately about it and you're, you, you also speak very knowledgeably about, you know, social justice issues within this entrepreneurial context. So why, why does this matter to you so much and how did you kind of come to that? I, it's a long, it's a long road and a long story, Warren. Um, I'll give you the, the super brief short story on it that I, I grew up in the Northeast of the U S um, outside of Boston, very classic new England environment where it was in, in my opinion, very much like a, a keeping up with the Joneses type of environment, right? Um, do good, get praised for doing well in school, go to a good college, get a good job, buy a big house, uh, make more money so you can buy an even bigger house, um, drive and drive a nice car, get a better job, get a raise, make more money, right? Like that's, that's the rough pathway. And, yeah. and, and the outdoors and social justice 
um, very, very tangential um, to, to, to that pathway that I was just on. And, and I um, went to undergrad, I got an undergrad business degree. I was very much like leading that pathway. My first quote unquote real job out of undergrad was at a big corporate financial bank. Those days is like probably a pretty darn good salary. Um, and then I was so disillusioned within the first year of working at that bank. Um, I did not, my boss, I talked earlier about like unique abilities and kind of seeing like unique value adds, like that just hundred percent did not happen. And I could just see that that was not a part of any kind of like financial corporate existence that that might happen in my career. So after a year working that job, I quit that job and moved to Utah to be a ski bum. And, and then that was, you know, 25 years ago or so. And it was a lot of one things leading to another of, uh, of making sure that when I left that bank, I promised that I would work professionally at something that I really believed in and enjoyed personally. Right. So when I became that ski bum in Utah, I started backcountry skiing, I started mountain biking and rock climbing, and I was loving them. And I believed in what they were doing for me personally. And I said, oh, great, I just made this promise. I'm, I'm going to work every day of my, the rest of my life um, it, doing this professionally because I believed in it. And I, I fundamentally just enjoyed it personally as well. And so entering that outdoor space, I, I think that immediately entered just entered me into varying different communities that, that were having early on conversations back then around social justice in the outdoors, in a rock climbing environment, in, in, a, in a paddling and rafting environment, those sorts of things. So I think my, my outdoor path and my path around uh, Jedi issues have really just been side by side for the last 25 years. That's awesome. Now, in terms of the business, the, you, get, you guys have just opened some new camps recently, right? Where, where are your new ones? We, um, it is interesting. We, we're opening uh, a bunch of new places this, this in 2022. We're opening in uh, Seattle and Minneapolis. Those are really reopenings. We were selling into those uh, two communities in 2020, right before COVID hit, and then we pulled back. So we're reopening Seattle and Minneapolis, and then we're also opening in Chicago, Boston, and Portland, Maine. So if you're in any of those areas, please check out uh, Avid for Adventures. And we also have existed. We're also um, in Colorado, Oregon, and California already. Mm -hmm. And do you want to be in all 50 or is that like, what's the big Uber dream? Yeah. You, you know, uh, our, our big dream is to be the brand name for kids in the outdoors, right? And uh, across regionally or across across the country, that the national brand name. Um, to do that, we don't feel the need to be in every state, but we do want to be in every region. And so this year, we're entering the Midwest for our first time and entering the Northeast. So um, so we're really excited about that and uh, coming soon into other regions. And how do you determine from a business perspective when it's time to add camps? Like, do you have a strategic planning process? Yeah, uh, and, and I'm sure the entrepreneurs can relate to this. That the, you know, we have a strategic plan process and, and that is, we, we try to remain nimble with that as well. And we've all needed to do that obviously through COVID, but we have a, a, a 10 year vision that we're working toward. We, we created it a, a number of years ago. It's our 2027 vision. Um, so, so we're working towards that. And we have in working to that, we, we have three year plans for every, each team at Avid for Adventure has a three year vision steps and then obviously annual and quarterly goals as well. Um, and in terms of how do we decide when and where to add, um, 
we need another hour on that one, uh, Warren. It, it's a, a lot of factors go into that. And fortunately, you've got a disciplined process, in other words, very disciplined pro, uh, pro, uh, process. Um, and and fortunately for us, we have this product that we feel could land very well, regardless uh, uh, any urban area. There, there are kids there that need, need to be outdoors. And on this journey, uh, you know, part of what we want to do is just inspire other entrepreneurs or let them know they're not alone along sure. the way of you. Like what kind of, for lack of a better term, failures that did you have to overcome? So many failures. I, you know, the, the ones that come to mind immediately are, um, are around, you know, the, the hard and most challenging people conversations, right? When, when, um, when, when a, a relationship does not work out and, and somebody at, for the organization where someone ends up being um, not a great fit at an organization. So uh, those are the ones that, that, that come to mind immediately of things where, where, uh, where potentially the organization has, has failed a, a staff member um, of like, hey, this, this, this was should, should not have been a, a conversation to begin with, or we couldn't serve that person in, in the best way. All right, so I, I'm, I know we only, you've got uh, some other meetings to get to, so I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna give you some rapid fire questions. Love it. All right, what do you consider your biggest success? Personally or professionally? Either or. Uh, I'll go personal and it's somewhat uh, professional. When I told my story there, I, I feel like my biggest success is, is that I am able to, to truly do what I love in life. Nice. And what one decision or action most helped you get where you are? Quitting my job at the bank. <laughs> it's interesting. So I, I always have this line that, you know, sometimes our greatest gifts come in really ugly wrapping paper. You bet. Um, who's one person without whom you wouldn't have got to where you are? Um, I, I'll say my dad, my dad and I are really different and we're really similar. And I feel like I draw on both of those things to, to help me with a lot of decisions in my life. Nice. If you had to do it over, what would you do differently? So many things, uh, so, so many things. And um, however, my answer right now is nothing. Uh, that, that the journey is the destination. And so each, each step along that journey um, was necessary to get me to where I am right now, which is a place I really enjoy. Right on. That, that I, I hope people actually listen to that. And that's a really interesting answer because it is that, you know, if you look back, there's an exercise I've done with people where you sort of go back and look at your biggest successes and failures. And then if you actually ask, would, it, would your successes have happened but for those failures or obstacles or challenges? And most times, no, because you would have never been in the position to make those different decisions. Exactly. Sometimes they're great gifts. Um, what's one aspect of running a business you've yet to master? Um, so, I mean, all, all of it, all, all of the things, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you one, um, yet, yet to master, um, happily yet to master, uh, pleasing every person that, who, who you work, uh, work for, work with. Right. 
And what's the problem in the business you'd most like to solve right now? For us is, is staffing crunch and staffing shortages, I, I know are real for, for so many businesses, so many industries, but um, I, I would love to, to have, uh, just always have enough of seasonal staff uh, to, to not be stressed out uh, around possibly canceling programs, that sort of thing. Is that, is that a pretty live problem right now? Um, in 2021, for our first year ever, we had to cancel some programs um, due to not enough staff. Oh, wow. Okay, the la last two questions. One personal quality that I most had to improve or overcome to succeed? Um, the, I'm trying to think of the words to, to phrase this. It's the um, letting go of, be, of needing to always be good. Um, letting go to always need to please or or have praise from others. Um, basically, like caring a little bit less sometimes. And no false humility. What's one personal quality you have that most contributed to your success? I think the ability to connect with others. Regardless of who that is, um, I, I really pride myself on being a bit of a chameleon connector of I can understand who I'm talking to and, and really listen and try to find connection points. Awesome. So, so much of the success of your business sounds very relational. So that, that kind of makes sense. You bet. So Paul, I know you've got to run. So I want to thank you very much for taking the time to share with us. It's, it's a great story. Uh, I love what you're doing to help kids. And so if people are interested, where can they find you? Yeah, you know, obviously all the information hopefully is e easy for you to find on our website. And that, that address is avid4.com. So A-V-I-D and then the number 4.com, avid4.com. Um, or folks can just send me an email as well. I'm just paul at avid4.com. Thanks so much. And I wish you continued success as you uh, rule out and help more kids across the country. Well, likewise, Warren. Thanks for all the work that you do. Hi, it's Warren Coughlin here. Thank you so much for listening to the Business That Matters Spotlight. If you're a successful, values-driven entrepreneur who makes a difference while making a profit and you'd like to be on this program, please visit warrencoughlin.com slash podcast slash apply. That's Warren, C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N dot com slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, would you do us a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Business That Matters Spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, warrencoglin.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, facebook.com slash a business that matters, and Instagram at warren.coglin. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.